mic'd up. Oh, I'm mic'd up. This is a hot mic. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to Sharp Stories. Jay, welcome back. We today, <laughs> we're going to talk about this, and I know this is going to come up because we spoke about it two weeks ago, so I'm, I'm just waiting for you to pipe in with your two cents, which is never wanted or required, but I trust that we'll get it nonetheless. We did that poll and 97% of our viewers come from my points of view. There was no poll done. There was I did an Instagram poll. Between you and your wife. And your wife probably voted for me. She would definitely vote for you. <laughs> but nonetheless, what does selling, what does needing to sell actually look like? And anything to do with real estate and mortgages right now, the hot topic is are people defaulting? Interest rates are higher. Do people need to sell? And that always leads to the illustrious, I'll get a deal. Or there's yep. a deal out there to be. I don't know why I keep doing this. When people do this, I don't really know what that means. <laughs> there's a deal out there to be had. And I'm gonna define what I believe is my definition of needs to sell. And I genuinely believe this is a need to sell, i.e. you took on more debt than you can manage. Not than you would ideally be comfortable with. This is a point of, oh no, there's more going out than there is coming in. So I can't rent it out and make my monthly premium, or maybe I've come to the end of the small amount of loss I was able to take for six months and I haven't sold, or various different other reasons which we'll get into, but this is someone who actually needs to sell because there's more going out than is coming in. Not what a lot of people get confused with of those people who want to sell, you know, bought it for an investment, and but if you can afford it and you can keep it going, you don't physically need to sell. Which is why I'm very excited to see your points because I disagree that there are more than one. But anyway, I've got some points here of common reasons why people uh, in the current market may be um, calling themselves as people who uh, are here and they cannot sell unless they're reaching a certain price, mm -hmm. which we're seeing a lot of. Just because you say it's worth $3 million doesn't mean the market is going to believe you or care. Um, and in this climate, uh, December 7th is the next uh, increase, which I put out today. I believe my crystal ball is a 0.5. Yeah. Again, forecast of, what was that? Yes. Yeah, like it could be a 0.5. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so in this- Dare I say 0.25 as the optimistic? No, no, no. I don't. I don't. No. Um, so with, again, we're in the same environment. It's still lingering on. There's still thought of uh, increase. They haven't um, kind of flattened it off yet. So in this environment, we see a lot of people still uh, attempting pricing um, and that's fine as long as they don't need to sell. As we've uh, discussed is the mass majority of most segments of the markets, which you very well may disagree with, but we're gonna get into the, the points that we're seeing out there of people that are, um, I say needing to sell with caveat, to your point of uh, we've got a situation, so we need to sell, but we can't sell unless we get this price and blah, 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 blah. Adding a layer of uh, subjectivity to the word need, if you will. But I will let you kick off and then I'll get into my factual points and representation. Okay, after. so I'll, I wanna put 
an end to the myth of I'll get a deal. And this may touch on some of your points, but I think your points will go into more detail about this is because of the real estate market and particularly the demand that is here, even in a quiet market and also the pricing levels in which we're at, there's, there's no deal like there used to be. Like back in 2004, 2005, I've seen properties that were listed for 1.1 and ended up selling for like 650, 700,000, stuff like that. That was a bit more common then. But when people, when people, as we typically do as Canadians, were very heavily leveraged, when you're so comfortable in doing that and with real estate prices right now, you could be highly leveraged up to a million, let's say. So if you're listed at 1.1 expecting after fees that you're gonna get that million dollars and then you're gonna be able to clear title and sell the property, that's what people don't realize in the public. You need that million dollars or that seller needs that million dollars as a base minimum in order to be able to complete the sale. You can't go in and offer 700,000 even if they want to accept it and then say yes, because they physically can't sell it to you because they're not clearing debt or they're not clearing the title of financial charges. So with elevated, with the elevated levels of real estate, especially in the big cities like Vancouver and Toronto, et cetera, those elevated prices themselves stop that from actually happening. And also your 15% discount, let's say, there's enough people out there on the market who are willing to be happy with a 5% discount. So even when it comes to foreclosures and things like that, you're still not gonna be able to get in with the deal because there's parameters put in place, especially for foreclosures that make sure that, you know, it's more fair to the seller and we can get into that a little bit later, but that's what stops the deal actually taking place most of the time. I don't believe there's ever been a deal um, that day you just walked in at the right time and caught the seller at the right hour and they sold it for X price. Um, no, maybe back in that's the day, what it's worth. Yeah. But, but maybe back in the day when you became a realtor, like right now, like technology is, is very forefront right now, back in the days when you started and, and it, it wasn't. So maybe you came across a property that, you know, hadn't been seen out there by many people and real estate values were much lower, blah, blah, blah. But now everything is everywhere. Every listing is everywhere to a, the vast majority. So going unnoticed is extremely difficult, even with the worst agents. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. There's no such thing as a deal, period. Back in your in day when opinion. you were like. <laughs> That's Morse code for new home for sale. The only thing that we used back in my day that we don't now is ye old fax machine. We never Morris coded anything. Your words say one thing, your hairline says another though, sir. Oh wow, we're diving in today. Okay. I chose violence that. today. I believe that. Um, so, okay, well let's talk on that on, on the first point I have, which I'm still gonna say is subjective to having to sell. Um, <clears throat> You came across this uh, a week or two ago. Um, we've, you have had a, a seller that's dealt with this on the selling side as well. Um, there's too much debt owing on title that they can't. Just adjusting myself, camera. Can't clear. Mm -hmm. um, 
So that can give them two options. It's cheaper, easier to hold the property and bleed slowly monthly mm-hmm. and not sell unless they get their, their price. Uh, instead of selling, um, there being a loss mm-hmm. after everything and having to make that up with either cash or credit. Mm-hmm. In your seller's case, it was made up with uh, credit. Mm-hmm. Um, again, is, is that a comfortable situation? No. They can say it's worth a million or, or, or if it sells for less than that, I'm not getting out um, in the green. Um, but it's still a case that can move forward and will move forward if they choose to just cut the ties and get it over with. They think the market's going to continue to soften. It's going to be harder in a year and make up the difference on the other end in the green. Take out a line of credit, yada, 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 to pay the bank off. So not a need even at that, because there are options, I would argue. Okay, but options differ on every individual person. If you're, 100%. If your debt service ratio is so high that, for example, that one that we were dealing with, there was a mortgage on it uh, and a second mortgage on it as well. Mm-hmm. So in that case, you've got two financial charges. They're trying to sell in order to clear them. The monthly premiums are, are basically shooting them in the foot really badly and i say this because the agent had been instructed look i need to sell it for this price i don't mind you being upfront and telling people why um kind of trying to go with that honesty is the best policy when it's priced high and at that point you know who's to say that you can go in and get a line of credit to carry the rest so i mean if you look at mortgage write-off losses on average they're about ninety-six thousand per mortgage now so if we take that number assumably 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 mm-hmm. you're trying to get a line of credit or a loan in the form of ninety-six thousand dollars in order to break even per se and of course that's a better situation to being than two very large mortgages but it's also not that easy no there's a circumstance to the to the to the point I'm saying where, okay, we're selling, we sell at a loss after costs. Now the bank is going to supply a line of credit to make up, to if break to. If they will to, supply a line of credit. Will, exactly. Because if they, if they can't, you can't sell because you then can't you, clear financial charge. That is the caveat. The caveat to, okay, you need, need, need a price. Or of course you're just going to default and foreclose and it's done. Mm-hmm. No, not fun. Not fun for anyone. Do you want to jump on the next one or you want me to? There you go. If you just run with your points and I'll just... Talk about renewal rates. Obviously, I've talked to a few people, not a lot yet, but as we know, the majority of, of uh, loans are five year fixed. So, arguably, 20% of loans are expiring every yeah. uh, to simplify every uh, year. Um, so, the renewal rate is much higher than the current, can't afford to renew, um, must sell at a certain price to get out and close as close to the green as possible. Obviously, in a arguably declining market. Uh, Time is ticking and very much of the essence. Mm-hmm. So now again, uh, can't renew. Debt service equation is is broken, or just don't want to because now I'm locking myself in to X amount in the in the red every month. Yeah, or I don't think we'll see this too much now because those people who are renewing now are not the people who are renewing who are like at 1.5% variables, things like that. A long way to go for that. So, for sure. you know, people who are maybe renewing now were at what, anywhere between, let's say, 3 to 4% on average for a mortgage. And obviously, yes, it's more now, but it's not so much as a jump. So I see most people with that regard 
just adjusting their finances outside of the mortgage and real estate. Okay, we're not gonna eat out as much. And I'm hungry. Uh, I've had conversations with people and spoken to people actually in family who have said, we're gonna swap our car in and we're gonna get something cheaper. That's what happens when you have a cheap car like a Bentley. And they're managing the deficit, for lack of a better phrase, the higher premium that comes with the month by doing outside financing. So and it, I don't see that happening too much, but in theory, like, yes, it's a reason. And I do agree that people will adjust everything on the outside prior to making a home address or a real estate decision. Mm -hmm. I think those will come last for sure. Um, Presale can't afford to complete. So back in my day, um, in uh, 08, there was, uh, I was working pre-sale and uh, there's a lot of frenzy at that time. This was actually in 07 coming into 08. Um, and then once all the US stuff hit, uh, obviously developers have stipulations that you can't flip contracts unless they've sold a certain amount, blah, blah, blah. So a lot of people got stuck and a lot of people had zero financial flexibility to, they just weren't financially capable of achieving a mortgage and completing. Mm -hmm. So I purchased a pre-sale obviously assuming that it was gonna go up and the market stalled or switched and now my deposit is locked in and I'm contractually obligated to complete. So hope, hope, hope that things turn around before completion. Yeah, cool, when you started in real estate back in 07, 08, 1907 and 1908, yeah. <laughs> what a time. Um, but yeah, and there's a lot of people who did that. I, I say a lot of people, there is a lot of people, I don't think as many people as people think, but they made that a bit of a business model. We saw that with Vancouver House happen a lot. A lot of people bought thinking that the market was just gonna keep going up, they were gonna sell for cheap, or sorry, they were gonna buy for cheap and sell for high, the old motto, and it just didn't work. You saw them sat on there as well. So there's definitely that. I think there's also people who can necessarily afford to complete but then they're kind of in the red every month and so they're like, hey, we need to get rid of this within X amount of time and then, you know, they kind of get flipped to point one maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that's out there. I haven't seen any numbers of that happening to newsworthy levels and judging by current mortgage statistics, it's not. But in theory, yes, that is one. But I do wonder what would happen with that depending on how many because, you know, maybe the developer will you know, keep the deposit, just be happy to resell those units at a higher price, even if it's not as high as the market was in the peak, but it's higher than when they were previously selling uh, on pre-sale. So you might be able to answer that one better. I mean, you're contractually obligated. Usually, um, obviously there needs to be two signatures to get that deposit out, buyer and seller, developer and, and buyer. I don't think you get in the deposit back. But what I'm saying is we'll take your deposit, but we won't hold you to the contract. We'll resell it. Maybe. Yeah. Depending at the time of completion, how far the market is down mm -hmm. or back up. Um, so very, very, very subjective, but definitely not a, I mean, a in business theory, model. Somebody buys for 800,000 pre-sale. Well, that's six years ago. That's not uncommon for now. Products take six years. At peak, worth 900,000. Maybe it's now worth... 750, 800. In theory, it makes sense for the developer to maybe to take a few of those on themselves, keep the deposits, let people out of the contract, sell them higher, and then go from there. Maybe. 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 Okay. 
Um, general, again, bought too high, want to get out before I'm in the red. Um, that could be principal or investment. We've seen that before as well. Things shift and people just, they can handle the peace of mind and the pressure monthly when it's going up. But as soon as that reverses, obviously that's a very steep hill down or can be not a need again, but a common, relatively common occurrence, mm-hmm. um, which is someone that would have achieved those low rates and then now be applicable uh, quickly yep. to uh, paying higher if they were invariable. Uh, and I just want to jump in here because we've heard a lot, unless you want, I want to jump into this trigger rate, trigger point stuff. So if you want to say anything else before that. No, I think that's uh, it's a comment that's, you know, been wildly discussed and on the minds of a lot of people and spoken about. So get on to the trigger points there. So there's fixed payment variables and there are adjustable payment variables. So fixed payment variables are exactly that. You have fixed payment every month. Um, so as the interest rate is rising, uh, it's diminishing the amount of monthly principal payment uh, and increasing the amount of interest, obviously. Um, in an adjustable rate, as the interest rate rises, your monthly fee cost rises. So you're 3000 a month, 3200 a month, 3500 a month, 3700 a month, um, whereas the fixed, rate. Uh, fixed payment is 3000 a month and we're paying, let's say, 500 bucks in principal, now 400, now 300, now 200, now 100, and now none. So as we get to these um, uh, trigger rates, it's kind of a trigger that the interest payment is now at max and exceeding your monthly fixed payment. So that 3,000 a month is now, let's say your, your equation works up to 3,100 a month, you're still paying that 3,000 and you're now reverse amortizing. So you're adding that extra 100 on top of your loan amount. Mm-hmm. So you're, 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 uh, Essentially your payment has been entirely eaten up by interest and still there's some more interest on top of that regular fixed payment. Which then layers on top of your overall. Overall owed to. 700,000 amount. To the bank. Whatever. So, um, that's what the trigger rate is. You've hit the trigger where you're now kind of reverse amortizing uh, and your mortgage amount is growing every month as opposed to shrinking. Um, so that sucks. Uh, now the, the trigger, there's also what's called a trigger point, which I haven't heard of anyone reaching. This is a, a lot more uh, uh, rare. Um, with the trigger rates, you will get a, a courtesy call from your bank. This is where you're at now, and you continue on uh, as you would, but you're just, you have that increasing amount. The trigger point is where the bank says, okay, you've now either, you took a $500,000 mortgage, you got down to 490, and now you're back up to 5,000 because you've increased it, because um, you're beyond your trigger rate point. Now we need to go in, break down the mortgage, and remortgage you. So that will happen if you are back to your original mortgage amount and increasing, obviously, um, or if you have exceeded the uh, amount of your assessed value in loan amount. So million dollar property, uh, obviously very extreme here. You had an $800,000 mortgage. You've come back up to that. Now you owe a million dollars because the trigger rate's been hit. Okay, now we need to sit down and, and rehash this conversation. So the trigger rate, we've all heard a lot about um, these reverse amortizing mortgages now, which is very common. The trigger point is, I think, 
very far away for a lot of people because most people these days, uh, I haven't had anyone put 5% down for years. Um, most people these days is very close to 20%. So for us to eat up that, um, even though the rates have climbed so quickly, I think is uh, an excessive point to hit. Uh, and I personally haven't seen any of that yet, but those are the two factors that are gonna take place in the process timeline on all this variable mortgage stuff when people were getting 1%, 125 and all that sort of stuff. And they've either increased monthly, so you're just simply paying more every month, or you've got that fixed rate and you're just adding to the mortgage. Adding a trigger point is, sounds like just more of a, like a fail safe. Should all else go up in the air, right? For sure, and that is all those fine prints are obviously in your in your mortgage contract, so there's no set thing. Th these are very basic outlines of the trigger point stuff, but your bank could come in, okay, you're you're within ten percent. Um, we now need to readjust. I mean, how often this is happening, not just the trigger point, but mortgages are being like defaulted on things like that. The numbers, and we haven't actually got far enough yet to determine the proper numbers because for a mortgage to technically be deemed as in default, they need to be in arrears for three months. So at the end of Q2 for 2022, the, the numbers were actually down. Um, so I think BC was like 11%. Toronto was like 13%. PEI, places like that were like 50, like sorry, 0 0.11%, 0.15%, 0.17%, 17%. So very, very low. I mean, when we go back at the end of Q2, if you take three months off of that to be in default, then we haven't eaten up all of the interest rate adjustments that have taken place this year. So I think in the next X amount of months, that will start to come out and we'll start to see that number increase. I mentioned earlier that um, the average mortgage rate that banks are writing off as a loss is 96,000. Now, apparently the banks are kind of comfortable with this number. It's more, it's more of a comfortable number before if prices just keep going up and up and up and the numbers start getting too hefty it causes more of a oh, hefty couch it becomes more of a more of an issue but the share of mortgages that are that are um, having to have mortgage loss mortgage loss write-offs from the bank is actually going down and it's all under one percent so well the more the actual share of total mortgages that the banks have to write off as a mortgage loss i think is down like zero to zero point zero four percent of mortgages in canada so that's I think it's 0.01% off of last month and maybe 0.02% off of the year before, year, year to date. Now that I think will change because of course, um, as the interest rates come in and that will, that, will, that will amend those numbers, I think upward, both the share of mortgages being defaulted on and also total mortgages defaulted. However, as you and I say all the time, real estate is a numbers game. So is it going to happen enough that it's gonna cause such a significant impact and change to the market. We're not even at, we're not, we're barely, we're not even at 0.25 of a percent yet of this happening. So is it gonna make a difference? No, in my opinion. Yes, those numbers can go up and that will suck and it won't be fun for those people, of course, but is it gonna be enough that you're gonna go out there and you're gonna get that deal or you're gonna see another shock in market value and it's gonna come down even more because there's all of there's just all of this debt which is going unanswered for and, and snowballing it, it, it's not at that levels and in order for it to make an impact in real estate we need to see high numbers for a longer period of time yeah and and 
that 90 days in arrears, all that sort of stuff, the banks don't want to close on anyone in that regard. And in uh, foreclosures, court-ordered sale proceedings, there's always the caveat that the seller can come in, mm-hmm. or not the seller, because that's the bank, uh, the, 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 the owner can sorry. come in and pay off at any point up until it's signed away from them. Yeah. So they, they're very flexible to try and look at every option, give the owner time to look at all of their options to really make sure they can amend this issue before That's how they get paid. sending out. Of course, right? they so want to sustain that that monthly cash flow. Absolutely, absolutely. And they're not in the, the business of getting bad press by pouncing on people ASAP and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, no. to your point, it's such a small percentage. I think in this circumstance, that very well at some point in the next 12 months may begin to grow, but I still believe it will be absolutely fractional. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There we go. We agree on most of it. But uh, point. I think that wraps us up for today. Thank you guys for joining us this week. As always, a pleasure. Do like, do subscribe, do pop a comment down there and click on the bell and get notified whenever a video goes live. We can continue to chat through the comments all day, all night, all week long. Thank you guys.